1: Hey, everybody, it's episode 30 of Across the Room with myself, Sean, and I'm joined by Steve as we recap the weekend's action. Uh, but first of all, we've actually got the hills alive with the sounds of transfer rumors today. And it's uh, it's a name that we've both been wanting for it to sign the season, Steve. So why don't you let us know what's going on right now?
0: Yeah, so I saw just, you know, a little while ago in the sites you know, reporting that uh, Roma has a deal in place apparently for Juan Musso, uh, position of need. Like we've talked about goalkeeper, you know, uh, for me, if Roma does have this deal in place, it would be a great signing. Musso to me is like the one, A to Cronio. Who's my number one target if Roma were looking for a goalie. So I I'm happy with either one. I think mm-hmm. Musso would be a heck of a signing. You know, I did my goalkeeper piece back in December and yeah. he compares very favorably to some of the better keepers in the league. He's still, I believe 26 years old. So, uh, someone who's coming into his prime at this point, um, and I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him with a with a bigger club. Yeah. 26 years old. He'll be 27 by the time the next season starts. So plenty of good years ahead of him. We've seen some great things from him at Udinese, you know, so with a better club might even see better results from him. So I think it's a good signing. What about you? Obviously, depending on price. Well, he was, he's
1: my number one target I, who, who came out top of the stats in your, in your piece I can't remember was it was it Cranio
0: I, I think it was Cranio but um I think it's you know kind of beauty in the eye of the beholder in some ways too because Cranio gets criticized for his size he's a bit of a smaller keeper great reaction yeah. saves um is yeah. a bit bigger Musso is kind of on par in terms of size with Silvestri and um Drogowski but the yeah. two of them had really good numbers um you know, Drogowski didn't stand out as much, even though he's a really good keeper. And then Silvestri was kind of saved what he's supposed to save kind of keeper, which is a good thing as we've seen in the past couple of seasons, you know, save what you should. But I yeah. think Kranio and Musso are definitely the higher ceilings at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, from what I've seen of Musso, he just, he's a keeper who makes me feel like I wouldn't want to face him if I was playing against him. But then again, we'll get into how Roma did against him. Just this, just yesterday, because uh, they just faced him yesterday, and uh, yeah, it didn't look too good for Crying yesterday. Uh, sorry, Musso yesterday, but um, yeah, we should just spell out that the the rumor is today from Sport Italia that uh, Roma did some negotiations yesterday and struck up a, a verbal agreement with Musso after the match against Udinese yesterday, uh, and they've apparently beaten out the competition from Inter Milan to sign him, so uh, we you know, we don't know, we've had some mixed uh, rumours from Sport Italia over the years, this isn't actually coming from the usual Roman source, which is uh, normally Alfredo Padula, this is actually from a journalist called uh, Gianluigi Longado, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know anything about him, I haven't uh, followed his rumours before, so... He's never steered us wrong, but uh, you know we don't we don't know what to expect. But so far, uh, yeah, that's it's just uh, the one sort of Sport Italia saying that we're in for Musso. We've got a verbal agreement, and uh, that we're favourites to sign him, but nothing signed yet. Yeah, no, and, no uh, prices
0: were, were dropped or anything like that. So we have really no yeah. idea what it would entail. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, before before we get into next uh, this past weekend's action against Udinese. Let's just recap the Roma women's side of things because uh, all teams were in action this past weekend. They, even the Primavera were in action uh, slightly earlier, a few days, a couple of days ago, and they, they lost to Inter, unfortunately. They, ever since the restart after the, the, the league was suspended at under 19, under 19 levels, sorry, Roma have lost their last three out of four games, uh, one in the cup where they were dumped out by Verona. Um, they lost to Spal in the league, and then recently they've just lost to Inter away. So uh, that, you know, this comes after a season where they they were at 100% points before before the general restart. Um, so they've got some way to get back on momentum. But on the women's side of things, at senior level, uh, Roma went into the second leg against uh, Florencia San Gimignano. Uh, they were carrying a 4-0 lead from the, from the first leg. And, man, Roma did not let up in the second leg. They didn't take it easy whatsoever. It was, I watched the match and... Uh, it was constant pressing, constantly keeping Florencia in their own, own final third, uh, constant chances. Uh, just, you know, not, not, not even one of those games where it looks too easy, just one of those games where it looked like Florencia personally insulted Roma. And, and for some reason, Roma just took to the pitch and, and just dominated them from start to finish 6 1. If it had not been for that one goal, you would honestly have no evidence that Florencia won the pitch. But uh, on the Roma side of things, it was Andressa who opened the scoring early with a penalty. Then there came a brace from Agnese Bonfantini, uh, who becomes the first Roma player on the woman's side to reach um, to score a 150th cl- club goal for the club. Not, not personally for her, but for the club. We've now reached 150 goals. Uh, she's, all, she's also the first woman to score a hat-trick for AS Roma. So you, you would think she's a regular in the side this season, but unfortunately not. Just as much as it's a mystery why Diawala doesn't play on the men's side regularly, uh, Bonfantini is marginalised this year. But she came into this game with a point to prove and she scored her brace and she proved it. Then came goals from Lindsay Thomas, Anna Maria Sertorini and a wonder goal from Emma Severini, the young midfielder who is still really yet to make her mark in uh, a top level in the women's women's game, but with finishes like the one yesterday, she won't be at the the team for much longer. Uh, you, You should really watch it because it's probably the best goal scored this weekend on either side of Rome. But uh, Roma will now face Juventus' woman in the copper semis uh, with the Milan derby, the Derby della Madonnina, on, in the other semifinal between AC Milan and Inter Milan. And it's a chance for Roma to put right that super copper result against uh, Juve in January, where they, they, you know, familiar story, they dominated Juve from start to finish. They fought well. Um, it was a performance that really kickstarted their season after having a very disappointing start to the league this year. But ever since that, that game, uh, against Juve in the Supercopa. They, they they took that performance to heart and they, they started winning games again, but they lost that game against Juve. Um, they were knocked out the Supercopa, but they can put it right by beating Juventus in the Copa. Um Easier said than done, obviously. That about wraps things up on the women's and the under-19 side. So that's all that's left to talk about between me and Steve is Roma Udinese, the men's team. And Roma came into this match against Udinese with a chance to close within six points at the top of the table. In actual fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause my recap because Steve, you know, I've got to be honest. I came into this episode <laughs> thinking that um I, I I honestly, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I've changed my my thoughts on the top three finish from what we said last week, where we said, you know what, Milan, Juve, Inter will now sail away and we can just aim for fourth and that's it. Now, now I'm feeling very differently, and I was I was kind of relying on you to be the rational one to tell me how delusional I'm being. But then I, I read your article today summarizing Syria, and you're writing that um, you know uh, Roma have a chance uh, for the top three. Uh, Roma are closing in on their, their competitors up front, and uh, and even even five thirty eight, you're, you're a proponent of that site, and they're they're statistically modeling us as favorites for the top four now. So what's going on? Are we are we are we back to to discrediting AC Milan? Do we fancy that we can get them?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, after last week, you know, and, and I don't, you know, want to like dwell on a loss when Roma lose a match like they did against Juve last week. But, you know, just with all the other teams winning, it seemed like top four might have been out of reach because Juve had finally lapped us and had the match in hand. And then coming to this weekend and Juve lose a match that this week, they probably should have won against Napoli because they, they controlled most of that match. Uh, so they were kind yeah. of in our position last week when we dropped a match up in turn that we yeah. probably should have won. Uh, and then shortly thereafter was that Milan match. Uh, and you know, I've been doing a lot of work around the house painting stuff. So I've had these games on in the background and it sounded like Spezia played a heck of a game. I I only really saw the goals. I would pop my head in when I would hear some action going on and Spezia was being praised up and down by the, the announcer. And I, I looked at the stats afterward and they held Milan to zero shots on goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know all about Spezia, but this this puts the performance even against Roma to shame because you know Roma scored on them that that match in the Copa that they mm-hmm. they lost an extra on Milan didn't have any shots on goal. Um, and then looking at the table now, yeah, Inter one, so that took Lazio off our backs a little bit. Um, so there's three teams within three three points of us in places five through seven, and Juve's uh, I believe a point behind now in fifth. But if you look above us, uh, Inter seven up at the top of the table now, but the only other team ahead of us is Milan, who is six points up on us now. Milan plays Inter in the Derby de la Madonina next week, uh, yeah. which based on current trends, Inter should be favorite win. But, you know, we don't know if that'll happen. But if it does and Roma takes care of business against Benevento, which we expect they should with their current form against like that bottom half type clubs, yeah. you know, we can go into the match in two weeks, three behind Milan at the mm-hmm. Olympico, you win and you're level on points. You're, you're ahead of the tiebreaker. So, we could, in theory, be playing for second place um, yeah. when we host Milan in two weeks. So, it's a lot of you know ifs and it, it relies on a, lot of, a lot on the other clubs. But, yeah, I mean, after we both kind of committed, like we're shooting for fourth place now, I think we can shoot higher. I'm not talking Scudetto. So, you, so you at feel this it too. Point, but, yeah, but after the results. No, you know, if, if Milan had won, which they were expected to against Spezia. I'd still yeah. probably say fourth, just because Juve has that match in hand. But yeah. um, even that match in hand, that Milan and uh, not Milan, but Juve and Napoli have, is head to head. So, at least yeah. on the current table, Roma would at least remain fourth in the table with that match in hand for both those clubs, because one would have to lose or draw. So, yeah. you know, the, the points right now are, are pretty good for Roma in terms of that match in hand. So that's not as big of a concern as it was when Roma was already fourth.
1: Um, I'm 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 thinking also in terms of that match coming up after Benevento, where we we host mm-hmm. Milan at home. You know, I I just feel like, feel like we should get after them. You know, like you said, yeah. I I only, I only saw the highlights of specia, of the Spezia game this weekend, but I, then I this morning I woke up to Ultimo um the XG map of the game. and Especially dominated Milan. There's a yeah. two two point four or something XG for specia to like zero nothing. Like you said, zero zero shots on goal yeah. for Milan. So it was just like, especially just had their way with them, you know? And And the
0: thing I wonder with Milan is if they lose the Derby next week and then Roma do beat them and they're on a three match losing streak, do they start to spiral out of control because they haven't really faced adversity this season. Um, You know, they had a loss against Juve earlier in the year. They did lose in the Copa, but the Copa is kind of a a separate entity. So you don't really carry that into the league as much because it doesn't hurt you on the table. But mm-hmm. if they go now and lose to Spezia, they, they go into that derby with their heads down a bit um, and Inter firing on all cylinders, maybe they, they lose a game that, you know, really demoralizes them at of Roma. You know, who knows mm-hmm. what could happen because Pioli's track record, we've, you know, many people have talked about isn't the best in terms of finishing a full, complete season where his team is really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I think talent-wise, you know, Milan is, is not one of the top three most talented teams in the league. Uh, when okay. you look at their roster, yeah, Ibra carries them a lot. You know, is maybe arguably the best keeper in the league, but there's a lot of positions where teams are better than them. So hmm. um, it, it could be interesting if if they lose the next couple of matches. Roma could yeah. be in play for second place, at, you know. So it it, it makes... We'll see. We'll the see. league is certainly shaping up to be <laughs> the most interesting in a while.
1: Yeah, for sure. We'll see. Time will tell. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we uh, mm-hmm. re- rewind back to Yesterday morning, and yeah, Roma came into this match with the chance to go within six at the time by by the end of the kickoff because Inter had yet to play Lazio, and Milan and Juve both lost their games. Uh, so yeah, uh, Nap- Napoli's win over Juve meant that Roma began the match yesterday outside of the top four, but uh, after the win yesterday, uh, Udinese, they they're back to third in the table. Udinese yesterday simply needed a win to help their survival campaign. They're stuck in mid-table. Um, all points would do for them, but they got none. Uh, Roma went, uh, went into the game welcoming back Lorenzo Pellegrini uh, in straight into the first 11 from suspension, and Pedro back from injury, who was on the bench and came on as a substitute. But they were without Chris Morling and Max Kumbula through injury doubt. So that led to a little bit of uh, a thin defense where Brian Cristante, the, he of the auxiliary defender slash defensive midfielder, started right in the, at the heart of the back line and there was also the lingering question of who would start up front between Mayoral and Jacko. And that was a question left open ahead of the game with Paolo Fonseca just simply, you know, saying, I'm not telling in the press conference beforehand. So uh, we'll get to that that issue later on because that has ramifications for this week's uh, upcoming Thursday game. But as far as yesterday, yes, the final score was Roma 3, Boudinese 0. It was an uh, early open for, from Jordan Vertu. Assisted by the left foot of Mancini, an in-swinging cross. I never thought I'd say those words, but this season really is full of surprises. And uh, that meant that Udinese's pre-game plans, if they had any, any ideas of defending deep and playing Catanacho, those went right out the window within five minutes of the, of the first whistle. Then Roma opened up Udinese at will for the rest of the half. You know, Udinese had to, had to chase an equalizer, and Roma just found space and time between the lines whenever they wanted to. They gained another goal from a, a no look pass from Lorenzo Pellegrini that put Henrik Mkhitaryan into the box and uh, he was brought down by the keeper. A contentious decision, it has to be said, but um, Jordan Vertu dispatched the penalty yet again. We can always rely on him. 100% record at a penalty, at penalty spot for Roma. And uh, then just before half time, there's a, a beautiful, beautiful team move between Gonzalo Villar, uh, Jordan Vertu, and Lorenzo Pellegrini. Uh, who put the finishing touch? But unfortunately, that that team goal was disallowed. Yet again, beautiful team move from Roma disallowed. Uh, this time because of a earlier foul spotted by mikitarian on, on the Udinese defender in the build-up. But uh, that was really it was a beautiful move. If you didn't see it, if you watch the highlights, it didn't count for anything in the end. But it was it was it was showing what Roma were capable of when they when they really put their mind to it. In the second half, Roma unfortunately showed yet another second-half performance, a game of two halves, where they, they began to telegraph their passes. They were sloppy on the ball. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we should give more credit to Udinese for uh, closing up the passing lanes earlier and seeing it coming, but either way, it was not the same game. And uh, they gave away chances to Udinese, some clear-cut ones, including a last save from Paulo Lopez at the hands of uh, Gerard de Lefeuille, who was let in on goal after he successfully closed down Brian Costante, caught him out clean, cold in possession. Um, and Lopez saves Cristante's bacon and saved Roma's clean sheet on the day. And not only would Roma settle for clean sheet, but they would go up the other end in injury time, right to death, and substitute Pedro with seal the Roma win. He, who scored his first Roma Senior goal against Udinese now scores in the return leg to get back in scoring form and hopefully get back in form in general. Um, So, yeah, we'll just recap the key moments that we'll rewind the tail of the tape of this match. Uh, Steve, what do you make of um, the opening five minutes and uh, Mancini assisting Jordan Graftu? What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, it was a, a, a very nice goal. Um, for those of us here in North America that woke up at 630 in the morning to watch the match, it was nice to see an early goal to justify the uh, the early <laughs> alarm clock on a Sunday. Um, you know, the intermatch when we had to wake up at 630 took a little bit longer to get to get going. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a great, great start. And I, I think you made a great point that, you know, Udinese wasn't able to just sit back like they did the first time against us and, and just wait us out and try to stifle our attack. And you know, take advantage of that aspect of the match because I think that's what they wanted to do and then counterattack like we saw the first time um, mm-hmm. and the early goal kind of took that away from them just like it took you know happened to us against Juve last week when Juve got that goal in the 12th minute it kind of changed the whole match yeah. and it changed the approach of the, the the leading team you know to be able to just you know play how they want to play rather than you know our opponent wasn't able to dictate the game this time, and um, it was a great goal for Mancini. You know, don't you? Don't expect him to pop up on the right side of Karsdorp and swing in a left-footed cross. Yeah. It was a it was a great cross, um, and a great run by Vertu to head it home. So it was a very nice goal, and it just you know continues to show the growth of Mancini in all aspects of the game. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, normally we get to the key players later on, but it's I mean, while well, while well Mancini, I mean, if when he plays like this yesterday, he's, he's Probably my favorite player in the whole in the mm-hmm. whole team. He um, was just like invincible on defense. Uh, I looked at the heat map today, and uh, there's a there's like a there's a lot of heat on the left side where Rodrigo de Paul managed to escape down that left wing. Uh, sorry, the right right wing for Udinese, um, and then on the opposite side of the pitch where Mancini's defending, there's just a big gap where that just <laughs> Udinese could not get past him. Um, so yeah, he just. It struck me as total football from Marginia. So they just good in, in all four quadrants, uh, attacking transition, defensive transition, um, interceptions. He got three. Um, he read the ball early, nice and early. And then what he did with it, you know, within the first five minutes, hey, I'm going to pop up on the right wing. Um, I'm going to you know, send in a left foot cross and assist at the opening mm-hmm. goal. I mean what what more could you want from him he's and he was one of the, lead, the the few bright lights against Juventus last week I felt so yeah um is he back to being Italy's you know leading defender going to the Euro summer campaign
0: Yeah I mean from a national team perspective I think he's still going to have a hard time starting games and he's fighting for a roster spot just because I feel like a lot of these Italian national team managers rely on the veteran so you know, yeah. now that Chiellini's healthy, uh, even at 35 years old or whatever he is, he's probably still going to make the team. I think a Cherubi is up there and Bonucci are probably all locks at this point based on health, uh, you know, as long as they're all fit going in. So I think it's going to be uh, Mancini battling with guys like Bostoni for a roster spot, but he's he's making a great case for himself. That That's for yeah. sure. I mean, like you said, all aspects of the game. I even looked at, you know, he had the three interceptions, three clearances, but sometimes even more talent with a player like Mancini is he only committed one foul the whole match. And we know he's got a reputation mm-hmm. as being a bruiser who takes a lot of yellow cards. I think he's only got six up to this point in the season, which is, is not too shabby for a physical defender. Uh, 20 yeah. matches into the season. Um, he's just, he's just been all over the place. He's
1: even even more surprising because after the match yesterday, he said that Roma were angry after the UVA result. So he, he came into this game angry and yet he, he managed to channel his anger in, in, into just a creme de la creme performance
0: yeah uh I, and i i like to hear that they came in angry because you know you, you, i feel like sometimes in the past they would have come in kind of downtrod and hanging their heads and then a team yeah. like Udinese would have taken advantage of that instead yeah. they came out the aggressors right away and, and gave Udinese no chance despite you know the kind of the lull in the second half um who who,
1: who do you who do you favor as roma's uh Best performing defender right now between him and Ibanez. but pretend that they're both the same person that you that you don't have this love for Mancini or Ibanez. Well, if you see them on the pitch doing what they do? Because as we said that Ibanez yesterday uh, played more long balls than Mancini and, mm-hmm. and played you know played a played a bigger passing game than Mancini, even though I felt Mancini shunned. But who who do you think is like the most important for Roma right now?
0: See, I I think uh, Ibanez overshadows him a lot of the time just because he's been such a revelation the past, you know, going on probably eight months or so now. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of if I had to pick one of the two to start, like say all of a sudden Fonseca switched to a back four and it was Smalling and in one of the two and we didn't have three defenders back there, I'd have to favor Mancini at this point. I think he plays uh, a more solid game in terms of not giving up those big mistakes like we've seen Ibanez make. I love the, I love the two of them flanking the the, the central defender um, or even sliding Ibanez into the middle when, you know, Smalling's not yeah. available and playing Cambu on the left. I, I like them both a lot, but yeah. um, I think Mancini, you know, he's a little bit older, he's a little bit more mature and we're starting to see that maturation this season. Um, and that's something I'm going to explore in one of my upcoming pieces because I've, I've been, you know, I've been a fan of his since they bought him, but. I've been very impressed with him this season in terms of his overall improvements around the pitch and both defensively and offensively.
1: Yeah, me too. And strangely enough, I agree with you. If it had to uh, come down to the, who do you pick first on the team sheet, on, on yesterday's performance, even the Juve performance last week, I'd pick Mancini first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's despite the fact that when I watched him, I you know I totally recognize why people say Ibanez is the more talented player, because it, it looks like that. But then I see my yesterday and like after a while of asserting himself from the game, like literally no no Udinese players coming near him because he's just he's just in the zone and like mm-hmm. right, really like good, like dictating affairs. So uh, and then you add in the, the whole leadership aspect where he's really you know he he, he talks to his teammates on the pitch and makes sure that they they keep their heads up. You know, I just I love him when he's like this, really I do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he,
0: he wears yeah. number 23 because he grew up idolizing Materazzi and he's got that like yeah. nastiness to his game like Materazzi, yeah. but maybe in a cleaner way where he's yeah. not like a red card liability. And I think that's a good thing, you know, um,
1: then, then he, he risks in the future becoming the, the next Sergio Ramos because, you know, Ramos is almost, almost like famous for being world class in a sense that he doesn't have to play dirty to get one over you, mm-hmm. but he just does it because he loves it anyway. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we'll be worried about Mancini going down that dark path if he if he he gets tempted. But we'll see. (laughs) What about um yeah, as as the Abanias, he jarred his knee mid game yesterday, and then Mm. it looked like it was a doubt. And then and then reports came this morning that he actually does have muscle fatigue this morning after that uh, impact injury yesterday. So um, Roma have more fitness problems at the back. How how do you think Fonseca is going to? manage the back line of, of these next uh, four games of February or even if you go into the first week of March I believe it's, uh, it's six games in, in in three weeks yeah
0: it's it's a busy stretch and when, when Ibanez pulled up I was I was concerned because it was one of those no contact things you know in the replay he didn't bump knees with anybody and you're like oh crap here we go again with a potential ACL because those are the injuries you always get not no contact uh, he was able to continue able to sprint do those kind of things so Luckily, it seems like that's out of the way. But if there is muscle fatigue and he has to miss out on uh, some of these matches coming up, you know, Kambula, they're worried right now about uh, how long he'll be out. Smalling, Mm. I believe, was back to training a bit. So hopefully he'll be back uh, so that if Roma has to, they can play Smalling, Mancini, and someone else.
1: Apparently misses the next two games, misses Braga and Benevento. Smalling? Yeah, Smalling. So what do Roma do? Because they've now, they've left... Patio and Juan Jesus out of the Europe League squad immediately come back yes. to the bl- like back
0: <laughs> Yeah, it, literally, because, um, you know, you, those are guys you don't want to have to count on, of course, yeah. but, you know, they are defenders on your roster. So, you know, leaving them both off is almost uh, smite your nose to spite your face in some ways. If it turns out that Ibanez can't go, I'm sure Ibanez is going to do everything in his power to go in that match. Uh but you also don't want to risk him because it's more important to have him healthy for like Milan coming up than yeah. than Braga at this point in the first leg or have him for the second leg of the Braga match and then the Milan match if he needs a couple of matches off. Um I don't know where they go if Mancini's the only healthy option out of those four. Obviously Cristante slides into that third the center spot of the back three, but who you play on the left would be interesting. Um, could it
1: be Could it be Leonardo Spinazzola by any
0: chance? I'm thinking he, it, could, it could be him. Um, is Santona on the he, Europa League roster? Uh,
1: that's a good question, actually. I, he I he could check.
0: potentially slide in there, but the, the risk is, you know, if you had Smalling and Mancini, if you have to play like a, a Spinazzola or a Santone, it's not as, as big of a deal, I mm. think. But then you're already sliding someone who's not a natural player in a back three into a back three along with... A converted midfielder so it presents yeah. some risks for sure yeah
1: we'll see we'll see what Fonseca conjures up this week and yeah. circumstances. if that happens
0: off. for you know that heat map against Udinese might even be even hotter down from his <laughs> left flank uh, against <laughs> Praga
1: oh man well um yeah what let me on to uh the uh the second goal yesterday the, what, what do you make of uh I won't ask you about specifically the penalty decision, but more so VR in general this weekend. I mean, I, I was I was disappointed with its use in the Roma match and also the intermatch. Even even though they were correct decisions, I'm struggling to like football at the moment, Steve. Honestly, so but ju- justify VR for me.
0: Um, yeah, it, it's tough because you know I, the one I look at this weekend was the Atalanta Cali decision. Did you see the one at the end of the Atalanta Cali match? Didn't so, see it. Adelante scored in the 98th minute late Muriel super sub goal yet again, but then Cagliari was whistled, given a penalty kick uh, when Darun took out Rugani from behind and, and everyone, including the announcers uh, over here in the States, it was an ESPN match. So um, Matteo Bonetti was calling it and he was baffled at how the the penalty was taken away because it Darun went through Rugani's, you know, back leg, even though he did get a piece of the ball and they took that goal, that, that penalty away from Cagliari. Um, Mm. And even the, the the decision on Roma's second goal, I thought was a little harsh because Mkhitaryan kind of chipped the ball so far away from himself and Musso that I, I don't think he had any play on the ball right yeah, or the goal. Yeah. yeah. Um so I thought it was a bit harsh. I know Musso's leg probably shouldn't be up that high coming out of the, the box, people were saying, but I, I I thought it was a bit a bit harsh. Um but hmm. then you look at like the decision made in the Lazio Inter game, and it was it turned out when you look at how closely Var looked at it. And you do a freeze frame that um Hoyt actually did get the back of Martinez's leg before he got the ball. So in some instances, yeah. it, it when you're splitting hairs like that, it comes in handy. But then there's other times and it just it baffles you. And you're like, Well, how is that not a penalty kick? Or how is that a you know not getting looked at in some cases? So it's yeah.
1: I don't I, know. I, I know that these these decisions are technically correct. Um and maybe I'm just complaining about uh being wrong myself, but uh I just like, I look at the Roma game yesterday, and I feel like we got a weak penalty for 2-0. Then we score a beautiful goal for 3-0, and that's just mm-hmm. Like The referee doesn't, doesn't even originally call the foul. So yeah. that's, how, that's how innocuous it is, even though it's technically a foul. But it's innocuous because the referee doesn't even – he just lets it slide. And you wind back the tape, and you find that a foul in the build-up, which is not like – whether it's directly or indirectly influencing or not, it's, it's still like it's – not, it's not the, the, the biggest uh, part of that story. Uh, Yet yeah, you you cancel out the whole goal for that, you know it. It's like, as a football fan, I do I have to wait another five years for players to start training to to be technically correct on the pitch and and you know not tape the player before the ball, mm-hmm. and focus on that for the next five years rather than focusing on actually training a football. You know, yeah. it's, it's, just, it's killing the spectacle for me personally.
0: Yeah, it's tough because. You know, I I, th- I think of that Hoyt play. He was called for the penalty on uh, Martinez in the intermatch initially. So yeah. it, it just held up the decision. But, man, it's tough sometimes for some of these players because Hoyt made a pretty good play on the ball. Just he happened to, you know, milliseconds before he got the ball, get get a piece of Martinez's leg to yeah, just find exactly. the decision. But it's it's so minuscule, some of these things, that for all the good that VAR does bring at times, it also uh, kind of takes out the, the human element of the game at, at points. Yeah. Um, mm. But on, on a positive note, I guess the fact that Chiellini was called for the penalty by VAR uh, yeah. and given the yellow card shows that Juventus doesn't get all the calls anymore. That yeah. it, it is possible for other teams to get calls against Juve via VAR. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, that to look at it in one, one positive light.
1: Every, everyone's sending the refer- uh, video referees Valentine's Day cards for that one. So, yeah. <laughs> What about uh, Melino and Edin in the second half? That that wasn't given as a penalty. Did you think it, that was correct or not?
0: It, it was kind of 50-50. Sometimes Dzeko um, throws himself a it. little bit. He looks for yeah. it, and I think even more so now that he's slowing down a bit. We've seen agreed, and I yeah. think that reputation is starting to precede him a bit, which maybe takes away from something like that. Agreed. Maybe a different player gets that call.
1: I agree. I agree. Even my my first reaction you know, he at the moment was like, "Go on, Jacko, you can do better than that." Yeah. Uh, even, even even if it was a foul, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. you should just play the ball, play the ball, don't play for the foul. So yeah, uh, moving on. I mean, yeah, we've covered the this allowed goal so. Um, Ibanez, we've covered that, but uh, what about Roma's second half performance? I mean, we've, we've talked about two players who performed well in the first half. Mancini held up in the second half, but Vertu kind of faded and, and sort of embodied the, the, the game of two halves from Roma. Um, even though even though Roma actually only conceded six chances on their goal in an entire match, uh, it was Vertu himself after the match who said that they gave away too many chances. They were, they were angry at how how much they gave away or let Udinese back into the match um, in the second half. So what I mean, we've talked about this before, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll cover it very briefly this time, but is there anything new we can say about Roman's second-half performances? Is, is there anything that you've noticed new that you could explain? This? I
0: don't know if it's just them turning off because we, we've criticized their second-half performances in matches that are close that they've lost. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a different story than like this match or the Verona match to me because these are matches, I think, where they were in a comfortable lead and then kind of turned off a bit, uh, definitely more than they probably should have. Um, and I, you know, you have that match on Thursday, maybe players start to think, mm, you know, we, let me save my legs a bit because Fonseca doesn't make a lot of subs in the second half, especially early in the second half. I was kind of hoping he would have made that DOR sub and some of those other subs a bit earlier in the second half, yeah. just to, just to rest players, uh, you know, a little bit more rest Pellegrini or rest Mikatarian or there too, for example, who, who definitely fades in the second half because he works his tail off in the first half sometimes, um, yeah. I I think it's more of a mental thing sometimes with them than a physical thing, except for certain players. Like Vertu, he runs a lot, so I can see him tiring out a bit. Um, Mm. But they seem to be a pretty fit team this year. Knock on wood, you know, the injuries have been fairly limited for the most part. We talked about a couple of the big injuries in defense recently. But Roma's Mm. been pretty healthy this year compared to past season. So uh, in that sense... Well,
1: I'm I'm glad you said that, because it it occurred to me yesterday after the game. I, I was reading comments on the forum. Uh, talking about exactly what you're talking about where Fonseca yet again making late subs like, you know, five minutes before the end and not, you know, half an Mm -hmm. hour, uh, half an hour to go. But it occurred to me, is that not a reason for us keeping up our fitness levels here? Because if, if he subs players as much as we've been asking him to week to week early, early in the second half, does that not overall bring down our our stamina over 90 minutes? Do we not have no chance of lasting 90 minutes?
0: That's a good point. Yeah. If you, if you pull, you know, Mikatarian in this match at two nothing, because it's two nothing in the 60th minute, then maybe, you know, Mikatarian doesn't build up that stamina. You're right. For a match where he does have to go 90 and 90 hard minutes against a Juve or a Milan or somebody like that, where we're going to need that push late in the matchup. That's a good way of looking at it, too. I never really thought of it that way because I always think a lot of, like you had mentioned, along the lines of a lot of the comments on the forum, where it's like, well, rest these guys, give them a chance. chance. Yeah. 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 Um, and sometimes I like to see players get in the match just to get them some minutes, you know, a player like a yeah. Diwara who we're trying to build up, hopefully, um, whether he stays or goes in the summer, at least build up his value. If he's going to go show that he can yeah. still play or build up some confidence if he's going to play Thursday, possibly. Um, yeah. I didn't even realize until the second half when I started looking at potential subs that Calafiori wasn't even on the bench. I was a little surprised about that. Uh, cause I'm always looking yeah, for a player like him to get into a match, but, yeah.
1: Apparently he's in injury troubles again. Mm, so, again, so that's yeah, a bit disheartening sorry, for it, a
0: guy who hasn't seen the pitch much.
1: Yeah, but yeah, this this new this angle only occurred to me yesterday. So I'm with you. Um, it just it just strikes me that maybe football is in a in a, at a crossroads where they either have to commit to this new five star rule, or take it mm-hmm. away because uh, our expectations are sort of like verging towards you know ice hockey and American sports mm-hmm. where you can sub in and out throughout the whole game and and like fitness over 90 minutes isn't such a concern. But for now, uh, you know, footballers are expected to last the ninety minutes. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, e- either either we get used to the five sub rule, or or we scrap it and go back to where we were before. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. Take a, a quick commercial break, but afterwards we'll be back with uh, more focus on the key individual performances, and then we'll look forward to Thursday and Baraga. Okay, we're back on KZD.T across the river, guys, and we were talking about Mancini, Vertu before before the uh, before the break. Um, do, you, do you want to say anything more about him, or should we should we move on?
0: Uh, not too much. Just you know, I think the two thing is something to keep an eye on because he does seem to fade a bit in the second half. So. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on how Fonseca manages that, and if that becomes a, a continuous trend, I think. But Mancini, mm-hmm. has not much more to say about his his dominance yesterday.
1: What about Valtu One quick thing: uh, he he's now equaled his, or maybe even beaten, his best scoring campaign mm-hmm. in his career, which was Fiorentina, uh, I believe, in 2017. And uh, he's now the the uh, strange statistic to to quote, but he's the record French goal scorer at the club, beating Vincent Candelas uh, 14 goals for Roma. He's now scored 15, Vartou. And uh, even uh, Fonseca came out after the game saying that Vartou was, was wanted last year by Napoli. And Fonseca twisted his ear somewhat and uh, told him that, you know what, Jordan, if you stay here, it's the right place for you. And I promise you, you'll get 10 goals next year or more. Mm. And Vartou's already done that. So, uh, you know, what do you make of that? Is is Has Fonseca... Shifted things around next uh, this year to to really uh, make Vertu shine more as an attacking player because we we saw last year that he he was a jack of all trades he played even auxiliary right back at some points mm. in in the non possession phase so sort of like covering for Bruno Perez's, uh reintegration to the team from January onwards and now this year we're seeing Vertu sort of like shining less but. Strangely enough, getting more goals. Um, yeah, I, I, so. I was
0: surprised when he scored the second goal. I think it was his ninth league goal of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was surprised because you, you're right. He has shined less this year. He has made a few mistakes that are a little more glaring than mistakes we've seen uh, last year and like giving away possession at certain times. I think it was the Napoli match. One stood out. And there's, there was even a time or two in the second half yesterday where he would give away possession poorly. Yeah. But then you see the goal scoring numbers. How many of those are penalties? It, it's got to be like five or six, uh, though, right? Uh,
1: I think it's seven. If is it say. seven? Yeah. yeah. So that's,
0: that could be, too, why the goal-scoring numbers are a bit inflated because he is their designated penalty guy now that Kolarov is gone. Mm. Um, so it definitely inflates the numbers a bit. But hey, if Fonseca promised him 10 goals and he gets them 10 goals, I guess it'll keep the player happy, right? Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's a player who would die, who would die for you from now on because you, know, you yeah. can do it on your promise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but um. yeah, in the run of play, he doesn't stand out as much. Uh, that's why I was happy to see the first goal scored by him yesterday.
1: Yeah. I thought it was ironic that he... He gets on the end of the header when we were just criticizing the team last week for not getting on the mm-hmm. end of his crosses in um, yeah. the box. and He, he shows us how it's done. But uh, yeah, more goals from Draft2, and I, I, won't be, I won't be complaining at all. Not that it was in the first place. Um, let's move on to a guy who we don't often single out for positive praise in the key players section of our podcast, and that's none other than Paulo Lopez, mm-hmm. number 13, back in goal he uh, saved his teammates from their own mistakes yesterday so what what, what do we say about palo cuz this week are we are we are we giving him a stay of execution for another week
0: yeah i mean he he had a positive uh positive match yesterday which is which is good to see you know we we know yeah. he has been negative in many ways this season uh stood out for the wrong reasons a, a bunch mm-hmm. of times so it's good to see him make a save like that against Deufeu. Um, he, he did say he played with him on the Spanish under 21, so he knew him pretty well, kind of had an idea of what he would do on that play where okay. Cristante turned off a bit. I saw some comments from him. Okay. But um, I think I also saw a comment from him that he's starting to feel more like he felt at the beginning of last season where he was mm-hmm. not himself at the beginning of this season, which is, uh, you know, he kind of attributed to some of his mistakes. So if we get back to Lopez uh, from the beginning of last season, at least for the rest of this season – Mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be a good thing. It, it would put Roma in slightly more secure hands than we've seen. Um, so we're not talking about like Olson level performances, but you know, a guy who's at least steady enough to keep us in matches and maybe not lose us matches. Yeah.
1: If 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 we're seeing a Roma that has convinced 538 to upgrade their percentages to a top four club now, can Paulo Lopez do similarly impossible and get another season? And the Robert, Robert, Ramos, uh,
0: I mean, after those Musso reports say, if there's any grain of truth to those, <laughs> then he's out the door regardless, no, I gone. think. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the better he plays, the more maybe we can get back from him from maybe a side in La Liga or something. If we yeah. do sell him, maybe it won't have to be like an Olsen continuous loan cycle like we've seen. And we can actually just sell the player um, yeah. and have to deal with that nonsense and keep him on the books for year after year.
1: Yeah, that's fair. OK, well. Another guy I read a lot about today and the story didn't really add up for me is Gonzalo Villar, the heart of midfield. Um, I, I saw him singled out on his Romanisa this morning because uh, people said that he he was exclusively sent out there to man mark Rodrigo de Paul yesterday. And even on the forums, some people said that. And I, I can't say I noticed it. But may, I, I'm i not saying that I disagree. I'm just saying maybe I wasn't paying attention. But then I looked at um, the stats on who scored and Villar has zero tackles uh zero interceptions zero everything in defense in terms of actual interventions but we know that that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's done a, a bad defensive job sometimes defending is just putting yourself um in the right place at the right time so that people can't move forward towards your goal um i didn't notice vr yesterday but often that means he did a good job because when well, you know before if vr made a mistake or let a player run by him i'd notice that for sure yeah um, so is, is VR improving his all-round game. What, what did you see yesterday from the Spaniard?
0: I thought so. Yes. Yeah. So he actually had five total tackles. It was no interceptions, no okay. clearances, no blocks. So he did have some tackles, um, which yeah. five seems pretty high for him. It was actually the high on the team. Yeah. Ibanez had four. So I, I thought he put in a pretty good, uh, shift, uh, you know, he's yeah. still sometimes a liability to get beat, which is probably why he had four fouls. I think, um, yeah. Mm. But he didn't pick up a yellow card, which is key, because I know him, Cristante, and I believe Ibanez were all on uh, yellow card watch yesterday for their fifth yellow of the season. So he'll okay. be available next week still. Um, but I think I saw some improvements. DePaul was fairly quiet for Paul standards, I thought, yesterday. Yes, what did you make of DePaul true. yesterday?
1: No, that's true. I, I didn't notice him much. Uh, I, I saw afterwards that he, he took two shots on goal, but both long range. One was a free kick, direct free kick. Um, and apparently he dribbled down that left wing, but I can't say I, I noticed it at all. I don't know what I was paying attention to yesterday. Yeah, I, I he had
0: a hundred touches, but it didn't feel like it watching the match. You know, I, exactly. I don't think they were very meaningful a lot of those touches.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, so, I guess uh, is v- VR, if, if he's really becoming like the you know, the, the all well-rounded player, right, uh, you know, or like already at this point in his career, like less than less than a full season in his Roma career, do, do Roma dare hang on to him this summer or, or is he if say like seventy million comes knocking on the door, does does he go?
0: I, I think it would have to be a mega offer like like you just mentioned for him to go anywhere at this point. But it also, you know, who Roma sells this season, if they sell, will speak a lot to I think the Friedkin's um ambitions going forward. I know there's some debt to knock out, but it seems like they've started to do that without selling players this winter. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think if they are ambitious and it seems like they are, they're very involved. They're at almost every match since the takeover, which I think is is a good thing to see after Palota was MIA for so many matches. Um, I don't think we saw him ever after that second Barcelona match um, <laughs> yeah. and at the stadium, which is crazy. Um, you know, I know you, you live in the States and you you do a lot of business here, but you got plenty of money to, to charter a flight a couple times a year to Italy and uh, yeah. fly first class. You know, it could be worse things than going to Rome for a long weekend maybe, or something.
1: Maybe he maybe made the mistake of logging on Twitter every morning and just thought, you know what, I just don't, I just don't fancy it. Yeah
0: um but i think vr is growing and i think if if you know this team is ambitious going forward and i think if we can finish top four which is important financially too i think we hang on to players like him and ibanez uh, mancini okay. pellegrini i hope so at least um just one quick is, note is on the fall he did have seven successful dribbles so that speaks a little bit to um okay there him not go. being completely shut down i guess maybe he was a little under the radar but he still didn't have that awful of a match
1: yeah. Is is that fair to judge the Friedkin by that by that standard though? Because I, I definitely understand what you're saying and I, I actually agree with you. But then I think, okay, they might choose to hold on to our best players until like the last week of August. But then if if, if no one's you know signing up uh Perez or or well, Perez's contract's running out, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really count. But like Paulo Place, for example, you know, if yeah. if, you, if you can't unload the expenses in one way, then surely eventually you've got to draw up money somehow, don't you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, it, it depends. I mean, it's tough because we've we've kind of gotten to the point where that's what Pelota's MO was. So I think that's what the Freakins will be judged on, fairly or unfairly. Um, yeah. You know, he would say Roma's not a supermercato, but it turned into one under him all the time. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the Friedkins, even if you have to make a sale here or there, we've seen plenty of other clubs do it. You know, it's not just Roma. Yeah. It's not just Roma's problem that they have to make sales sometimes, you know. Um, yep. But not everybody can do what Juve does is, and trump up some false pl- plus Valenza <laughs> by selling some primavera player and then buying someone Kid from you've never Denver, heard of. Uh, Yeah. Sell someone you've <laughs> never heard of for 10 million. And then, you know, they, that's yeah. what they do. They buy players cheap. And a couple of years later, all of a sudden, after a couple of loans, they're worth 20 million instead of the two they paid. And, you know, that's what yeah. they do. They trump up their books or they do these. These swaps, like we saw with Artura and Pjanic this summer, to, to fix their bo- their books. So, yeah, um, yeah. not everyone can get away with that like Juve does. So, I see why clubs have to sell. Um, hopefully, Roma just sells smarter in the future and is able to to not have to be forced into selling someone like Salah for like thirty five million when he's worth clearly more than that on the open market. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. You no, know, well,
1: let me let me let me put let me put it in a, a no no win question for you then. then we'll move on. <laughs> if if Roma has to come up with that Muso money this summer, do you keep VR or do you sign Musso?
0: That's tough. I, I think um, goalkeeper is a position where if you had to choose between VR and Muso, as much as I like Muso and uh, Carano and players like that, if they're going to cost you 30 million and you need 30, you know, and it comes down to selling VR for 40 to get that 30 million, I think you look elsewhere for a Silvestre or someone cheaper.
1: I agree with you. I would, I would mm-hmm. rather knock on or cranio yeah. and try and yeah start yeah. a bidding war. I agree with you. There are a lot of keepers to go around. There's not so many VRs by Roma standards.
0: Yeah. You um, look around the league, there's plenty of keepers that are quality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about Pedro's return to goal scoring from yesterday? Is he is he now he's playing a role that uh, he's never previously played before. He's playing deeper. Um he's more he's relied upon more to to participate to start off moves rather than finish them. Um, but it, there's a, despite those changes, can he now get back on top form and become the, the perfect uh, super sub for Roma to, to finish out the last half hour of games?
0: Yeah, I think that's more his trajectory at this point, especially because Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini have been so good in the attacking midfield. Um, and then you throw El Shirari into the mix as well. I think um, El Sharari and Pedro will be competing to get some starts when you need to spell Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini more than uh, to start on a regular basis as long as their form mm-hmm. keeps up um, but I mm-hmm. think that's a role that could suit Pedro at this point in his career because expecting 90 minutes consistently out of him like we saw early in the year I think is a bit unrealistic um, much, yeah. I know I know Mikatarian's only like a year or two younger but Mkhitaryan just seems to be on a different level this year um, so I think Pedro for 20-30 minutes at the end of a match where you might need a goal or you might just need to close out a match I, I think he could do a lot worse hmm. Hmm.
1: yeah fair enough well that wraps up with Neze. They're dispatched this weekend and uh, Roma in the league next next weekend will be facing Benevento. But before then, it's Thursday evening in Portugal. It's an away game. It's against Braga. It's against Paulo Fonseca's former club who won the Portuguese Cup with him by beating Porto in the final. And Roma aren't the only team going with into this game with defensive concerns. The Portuguese side will be down from losing their 21-year-old defender and academy graduate David Cardmo, to a serious leg fracture uh, against Porto, another than Porto yet again uh, in the Cup, where um, they they ended up drawing that match 1-1, but only because they scored an equalizer 12 minutes into injury time, right at the death of that game, and the reason why there was so much time added on was because of Carmo's serious injury, where he was. So it was like running back to cover a shot from uh, the Porto striker. And while the Porto striker was uh, sort of like uh, bringing his leg back down from whipping from the ball in, he actually like, landed his foot on Carmel's ankle. And it looked like he just broke his leg just by stepping oh. on it as, while, while Carmel was running. Um, it was a freak accident. So I don't understand, having watched those highlights, how the referee chose to send off the, uh, the Porto striker for a direct red card. It really wasn't intentional whatsoever, but uh, apparently it was judged reckless play. Um, Carnot has played every single one of Braga's Europa League games, and he was a regular in the in the league, uh, aside from a few uh, positive COVID tests and uh, a few suspensions, but he was very much a regular in their in the back line, and so they'll be going to that match with their heads down a little bit. But, um, yeah, uh, is we saw this weekend, Steve, that... Uh, it was actually Bojan Medial who got the tip up front for, for Roma. So, uh, and came as a, as a sub against Udinese. Does that now make Edin in uh, Roma's official Europa league striker for Thursday nights?
0: Mm. Well, as long as they remain in the Europa league, it could be, I did see Il Romanista reported that he is slated to start, um, Thursday night, which, which I would, I would probably expect at this point. I don't think, um, he, they start my again. I think Dzeko is going to get a start at some point. Um, and I think this could be the match. I, I actually thought Dzeko would start on Sunday against Udinese, um, but I, it seems like they have reverse roles. And uh, maybe, you know, Fonseca saw Meyerall as a better option to break down that that deep-lying defense of Udinese with some of his darting runs that maybe Dzeko's too stationary at this point in his career to do. Obviously, the goal kind of opened the match up even more, which favored a Myral type player. But um, I think Dzeko could be the Thursday night guy as long as Roma remains in the competition. Um,
1: what? So then, what, what kind of football do you expect Roma to play? Because can, I mean, we, we got we got our asses handed to us by Sevilla playing yeah. the kind of football we do um, the, right now uh, at the end of last uh, beginning of last summer. Sorry, um, does that does that counter attacking like uh, stretching the game, vertical constant vertical passing style work on the European scene, or or does it does it take something different? Because we know that that game doesn't favor Eddie Janko, That's for sure.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious to see how Roma approaches this match. Um, I don't know much of anything about Braga. Um, One thing I know is that we probably dislike Porto as much as them after this past weekend, (laughs) Porto either. Um, (laughs) But in terms of their style of play, I have no idea how they play losing a central defender certainly favors us. If Carmo is a regular starter on their, their first team Mm -hmm. Um, with the, with the way Roma's attack has been looking in recent weeks uh, that certainly favors us because we've been putting Mm -hmm. up goals from many places besides Meyer and Dzeko. So uh, I hope Roma come out aggressive. If that's the case, I know sometimes on the European stage on the road, uh, you try not to, you know, make big mistakes, but there's no, you know, crowds at these matches now. So you, you, you might as well play this like it's a neutral grounds uh, match at this point, in my opinion, because those away goals are valuable in these, these two-legged ties. And if Roma can go, come out and score two, three goals, like they've been doing in recent weeks against Sadia competition outside of juventus then you know you're all the better for it come the second leg at the olympico you know then it if you could win this match 2-1-3-1 nothing you know then it's just play a solid counter-attacking match at the olympico then you could do whatever you want yeah. you could approach however you'd like with um, with your
1: mind on with your mind on milan at the weekend
0: yeah with your mind on milan without having to think too much about that and you can play the the diwaras and the guys you might not normally play in a must win at this point you know no no knock against yeah. he hasn't um, been a guy who's relied on
1: yeah i i was gonna ask you next are we gonna see more of uh bruno perez and diawara who came off the bench with five minutes to go this weekend are we gonna are they gonna rotate into the side this week
0: i i'd like to see uh diawara especially and give perez mm-hmm. the start too um i think giving Karsdorp a uh a first half or a night off or whatever it comes down to in the match depending on how the match plays out uh is not the end of the world i you know i think uh you know, giving Diwara a start in place of a VR would not be the end of the world. I, you don't yeah. want to run these guys into the ground either, in my opinion. Um, because... And also,
1: is there, is there anyone else you want to see? I mean, you can finish your talk. There's any, any other names you fancy, there, like Perez or El Suari?
0: Um If El Suari's fit enough, uh, I'd like to see him get on the field. I don't know if he's fit enough to start, but I would love to see him get on the field a bit um, because he does need to get some match time and this could be a perfect opportunity. This or the Benevento match could be great opportunity to get him uh, even a half of football, depending on his fitness. I know he did make the bench, which I was a bit surprised on Sunday because Fonseca did say he wasn't ready, but he still dressed him. So that must indicate he's at least, Mm -hmm. you know, healthy enough to play at this point. Not that he came in with health concerns, but um, Perez, not really, because he hasn't done much to intrigue me this year um maybe if pedro's fit enough maybe he starts i know we just talked about him as a super sub but uh maybe against braga you rather start him and rest somebody like that's a good point yeah. else but I, I have a feeling it's gonna be Mikatarian and pellegrini just because they've been heavily relied on this year um yeah. and i think you can handle benevento with one of them resting if they have a you know a, a lot of minutes on their legs on thursday um right. I think what I think what you might see, funds, I could do is go for the kill of this first leg if possible, um, okay. and then maybe you can manage that second leg a little bit better since you have a tougher opponent following the second leg. Um, yeah.
1: So if if I'm asking you one reason why I should tune in this Thursday and be excited about it, you're, you're promising me goals. Don't you think?
0: I think so. Okay, I, I think we should see some goals from Roma. I, they they've done too much recently to to not make me think they can score goals. Um, and I'm looking at 538. We mentioned 538 projections earlier for Serie A. They do you know, head-to-head matchups too. And right now, and this is talking about just the first leg. Uh, in Portugal, Roma is given a 47% chance of winning. Uh, Braga, 28% and 25% chance of a draw. So even the the kind of computer models favor Roma on the road. Whereas like a team like Man United is uh, an underdog on the road against Real Sociedad on the road. So it kind of speaks to... Uh, the matchup discrepancy that at least the models see you know
1: yeah okay well goals is a good reason mm-hmm. to tune in so um if it's not a golf fest this Thursday well you know where to find Steve on Twitter you give me his thoughts after the match he's wrong <laughs> But uh, before then, we've got some features coming up on TV to talk this week. Steve, what what do we have coming up this week?
0: Uh, I know Brent is doing a Braga profile. I believe it's going to post on Tuesday. Um, Hopefully, we can all learn a little bit more about Braga because that's not one of those Portuguese clubs you usually hear about, um, like the Portos and Sporting Lisbons of the world. So Hmm. I'll be looking forward to that, too, because I know virtually nothing about our opponent. It's kind of been that season in the Europa League. We don't know much about any of these teams um and then brand will be working on a pellegrini profile i'll be working on a mancini profile I'm not sure when those will post if it'll be this week or the following because we're pretty busy uh, on the site between our braga coverage our benevento coverage along with uh, your usual piece jimmy's usual piece so we've, we've got quite a bit coming up this week
1: yeah i, look, I looked at the schedule uh that was when I mean, it came out yesterday and it does slots filled up fast which, yeah you know, we've got a lot coming up this week yeah what what, what exactly is a profile piece on Mancini? what
0: does that mean um uh, like brian how, i think I is is kind of looking to compare I, we're gonna look at the growth of both players um as yeah. far as i know um definitely i want to look at mancini's growth because to me and i think you would agree he seems to have grown at all fastest of the game this year maybe compare him a little bit too to some of the other up-and-coming defensive talents i was thinking maybe a bostoni or some players yeah. like that um
1: i like that yeah yeah to sure. kind of
0: see how he rates um Football FB reference uh, has a great um, new kind of matrix where they will give you the uh, percentile that a player ranks in like each major category now. And I was just gave it a quick glance the other day. Mancini ranks very highly uh, in a lot of categories for defenders, for central defenders, especially with his ball playing ability. So I want to take a bit of a deeper dive into that. And I think Bren was talking about comparing Pellegrini to some other players too. Um, Yeah. You know, I saw uh, a tweet recently using that same FB reference um, kind of matrix and someone had compared Pellegrini next to DePaul ahead of the match. And Pellegrini rated very favorably to DePaul in a lot of categories, which I was a little surprised because DePaul is one of the best midfielders in in Serie A um, and isn't just like a straight attacking midfielder. He's pretty complete of a midfielder for an attacking guy. And, you know, I love Pellegrini, but that speaks to his growth, too.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I expected him to be compared to Luis Alberto because that's, that's the, the mm-hmm. comparison that always comes up over the last 12 months, yeah. who's better in the final third. But I guess if we're comparing him to the poor this year, then it, it speaks to how versatile Pellegrini has become that you can you can trust him starting from deep and and in the final third. So, yeah, that's uh, that definitely speaks to his growth as a player. Uh, looking forward to both of those features. And, um, yeah, that wraps up number 30 across the run for us this week. Uh, we'll be back after the Benevento game next week in seven days' time. Um, until then, you can find us on all the usual places, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, sorry, Google Google Podcasts, and uh, on Twitter. And also, don't forget, ChazerTheTotty.com. You're always welcome to post your comments, leave your thoughts after the game, before the game, during the week, on the forum. We're always there. Uh, until then, bye for now.